In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Darkness has descended upon the city, and the creatures of the night have begun to stir. This is the time when the veil between the realms of the living and the dead is the thinnest, and all that is is not what it appears to be. Like a lone sentinel, one candle flickers in the night, revealing all that lurks in the darkness. This is Ghost Chronicles, Book of Shadows. Welcome to the Nightmare. Here's you and I. All right. I don't know if anybody else can hear us. <laughs> well, at least hey. I have someone to talk. Well, I had nothing but silence for 20 seconds. Well, 20 seconds, like three hours. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> sort of like well, the heat I, heat I didn't have today. Oh, I heard that. Mm-hmm. I heard that. But how come? Did you get it fixed? Uh, yeah, I, I guess what happened is uh, the oil tank had some crap in it, and it kind of, when they did the switch over, it got built. Ah. So, anyways. So, welcome to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation, and uh, I guess we have a good show today, if we have a young gentleman with us. You guess. You guess. You guess. That's well, a hell of an know. introduction. Well, I mean, <laughs> you, you could suck. I mean, I <laughs> Thanks, Yeah, I know. Anyways, um, joining us is a young gentleman who's been in the business for as long as I can remember. He's got one of the top paranormal shows on the internet, and it's also come out with a new book. Uh, actually, I think he has this, this is his second book, if I remember. He is none other than Ken Weisberg. Tim, you there? I am here. Good evening. Hey, Good. Tim, what'd you do to us? Did you was that some type of spooky South South Coast prank you played on us? Is that what it is? <laughs> you can't blame me for that. Normally, we like to sabotage other shows, but <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I figured what was happening here. Well, preferably not when you are on them. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome aboard. Uh, Tim is the uh, host of Spooky South Coast, who's been on for many, many, many years, and uh, he uh, is also a paranormal investigator. Uh, he's also uh, a swell guy. He was Santa Claus this past Saturday, too, believe it or not. I know, a Jewish Santa Claus. That's pretty funny. My dad is, but still. That's okay. You give everybody equal time, right? 
Right, exactly. Right. I don't know what it, your dress it, has for Kwanzaa, though. <laughs> it, it, it didn't even dawn on me until today when I was typing in your name, and I said, oh, wait a minute, he was Santa Claus in Weisberg. I think is Jewish, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's too hard for me to figure out. Yeah, it is. I, I, I agree it is too hard for you to figure out. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Tim, you have written two books, right? Yes. And I, I forgot what you first... Oh, Spooky... It's Spooky... Is it not Spooky South Coast or something it's, South Coast? Ghost yeah, of the Ghost, South Coast. Ghost of the South Coast, right. It took me a while, but I got there. <laughs> we'll excuse you because you're old. Uh-huh. And you have a new book out, uh, written, uh, co-written with uh, uh, Chris Belzano, that little pug himself, <laughs> and it is called what? Haunted Objects, Stories of Ghosts on Your Shelf. I like awesome. that. I like that. Is that like an elf on a shelf? I, gu- oh, I guess so. I mean, we, we didn't really like, we just wanted to call it, uh, go- uh, Chris originally wanted to just call it Ghost on Your Shelf, but mm-hmm. the publisher really wanted Haunted Objects in the title, which, you know, in retrospect, is probably a good idea since some yeah. people know what it's about right away. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and where can people find these books, Tim? Uh, actually, they're anywhere books are sold. Uh, Ghost of the South Coast is a little bit harder to find. It's a little bit more of a regional book, but you can get it uh, through Amazon and uh, through our website. I sell uh, autographed copies on the website. But uh, from mm-hmm. you know, when, when you want to get, grab haunted objects, anywhere you can find books, uh, you can find that, which is, has been amazing to hear people tell me that they're going into bookstores, you know, in Indiana and, and Nebraska and finding this book on the shelves. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And is it com? Right, SpookySouthCoast.com is my website, and uh, we I do have Ghost of the South Coast up there right now, but I'm I'm waiting on more haunted objects from the publisher. Apparently, they think it's more important to get them in the bookstores than it is to get them to the author. No, <laughs> don't well, laugh. I don't have, yeah. I don't have a single copy of either either of my books, so don't feel bad. Mm. Hey, that's because you're sold out, though, right? That's right. Yeah, but that's true. But that's besides the point. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, I mean, this cool book, I mean, I haven't had, had a chance to see it, and, and I do apologize for that. Normally, I do get the, the book in before I have someone on the show, but uh, I'm intrigued because my last book, Ghost of Day, had several uh, of uh, haunted objects in it, and and so I'm, I'm interested to see, and that actually was the fun part of writing, was, was on those haunted objects. So what, what type of objects do you have in this, this book of yours? Well, we have everything from the, you know, the expected haunted dolls and haunted paintings and haunted furniture all the way down to a haunted butter dish, which you know, <laughs> we threw it out there for anybody to share with us any story that they may have had. And uh, we wanted it to be very specific to the item as much as people wanted to share stories about loved ones who had passed on and uh, an item was special to them from that person. We needed stories where it was the object itself that seemed to be the focus of the haunting, and, and we got some really good ones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's neat. My sister-in-law had a haunted quilt what? many, many, many years ago. What? Yeah, a haunted quilt. And, and was, it, was it something that she made herself, or did she buy it? Nope they um, they acquired this quilt. Um, my brother-in-law used to paint. Uh, big trucks um, and did, did body work on them. And there was this box in one of the trucks that they were painting, and it was it was left. And I guess they, they didn't want it. And it was full of, you know, like a bunch of junk mostly. But one of the things was a quilt. 
And um, as soon as they, and it, and it was someone, someone had handmade this quilt. It was, it looked very old, and my sister-in-law loved it, and put it up and displayed it on a quilt rack in the house. And things started happening as soon as they brought it in the house. Oh, well, we've yep. got a lot of stories like that where, you know, once something's brought in, things happen. Now, one of the greatest stories in the book, in my opinion, uh, comes from a, a fellow investigator named Jeanette. And she always wanted to have uh, Haitian masks hanging in her house. And when she mm-hmm. finally got her dream Haitian masks, uh, they turned into a nightmare pretty quickly. So oh, those no. are the kind of stories that we got a lot of, you know, where once uh, once something was brought into the house, that's when mm-hmm. things started to, to happen. And, and that, But that can go two ways. I mean, in, in one regard, it could be, yes, the item is haunted, but it could also be that there are ghosts at the location that, you know, just didn't like the change that was made. So it's really hard to decipher, it, and we had to spend a lot of time talking to the people who shared the stories just mm-hmm. to try to figure out what exactly the root of the haunting was. Wow. You know what's funny, uh, Tim, is that when I first started out in paranormal investigating, people would tell me this, oh, this haunted object, got a haunted chest, got a haunted whatever. And I'm kind of like, you know, because I was always skeptical, and I'm still skeptical, and I said, yeah, right. And then, then I started thinking about it, and I applied it to uh, my religion, which is, uh, you know, I'm a Catholic. And I started thinking about the relics of the saints, and what basically uh, what they are is just items that a saint had touched or something, and uh, they had powers, and, and this is pretty much it. it. The energy was transferred, so it, it, it all made sense after I put it in that perspective. So I, I'm a little bit more open to haunted objects than I used to be. Well, I mean, I guess it's as long as you don't go up to, like, one of these holy relics in a church and t- whip out your digital recorder and start doing an EVP session with Jesus, you should be all set. <laughs> well, you don't know. You don't know what's going on. I mean, to be honest with you, I do carry uh, a relic with me all the time. I carry, uh, I have uh, saint's blood. I have the the blood of, this is a class one uh, relic, which is the blood of uh, Saint Chevelle. So, uh, hmm. yeah, and I do EVP. So, hey, but he hasn't come through yet, oddly enough. <laughs> now, you, you carry that for protection or just for your own uh, faith or? Uh, yeah, as as protection, I guess that w- you would say is part of my, uh, the whole thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, your faith is kind of integral to your protection, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, for instance, uh, we had uh, Shaman Steve Wilson on the show, uh, uh, the Morning Edition show, and he was saying how he doesn't believe in protection. He believes if you use protection, you actually weaken yourself because what you do is you attract uh, entities trying to up one you because you know say oh yeah i think you're protected well okay blah 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 so that's his belief so i mean everybody has their own and that's what makes the world go round i guess right now, that's what that's what we ran into with a lot of these stories too is you get people who bring in their own uh set of beliefs into each story too and and you know, what might be a haunted object in one person's home might not show any signs of that in another person's home because, you know, the, the factors have to be right and, and the perception has to be right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, I assume you have uh, Robert in the book, but I'm just guessing. Yeah, Robert the Doll uh, is the rock star of haunted objects, and, and uh, Chris actually handled that chapter because he had a chance to go down to Key West and, and visit with Robert the Doll. And <laughs> Very cool. It, it's one of those – Stories that when you first hear it, you you think this is a, a horror movie. You know, it just sounds like a, something right out of a Hollywood script office. But uh, when when you look at 
all the people who have reported having interactions with Robert and have reported having activity happen as a result of it, uh, you know, those are the kind of cases that you really salivate over because there is so much data. There is so many experiences that are had. But then, of course, you got to wonder how many of these people are just psyching themselves out, too. Mm-hmm. Right. How much they're actually created by fearing it, I guess, is the word, or believing it. And, and I'm a big fan of the uh, – uh, my, my my pet theory right now in the paranormal is the idea of the uh, the tulpas or the, or the thought forms. And I'm starting to think that we really do create a lot of these ghosts uh, in locations, and I think it's not impossible that we're creating them around objects too. If we If we buy a doll – at a yard sale that looks particularly creepy, then we start to think, gee, maybe this is haunted, and we'll talk to it as if it might be haunted, and we'll tell people when they come over, this is my haunted doll, and after a while, it may just become haunted, whether whether you've created that ghost or whether you've invited a ghost to come and attach itself. Right. <laughs> that's, that's, a good, uh, that's a good point. I know right. they I live mean, up, you know, it's your expectation. It's your expectation. Right. Exactly. And you are putting the intent on it for it to be haunted too. I mean, it's it's almost like it's a you know people complain about those who use Ouija boards that you're just inviting anything to come in. Well, you know, whatever you do that interacts with the other side, you're inviting it to come in. So exactly. it wouldn't be uncommon for for a spirit to say, "Hey, you know, here's my shot." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, your, your theory goes back to the the uh, the famous one where they created a haunted house where they had a house with no activity and they created a backstory and. Uh, get people coming in, and soon enough, the haunt the house was actually uh, haunted. It had ex- people were having experiences, were having things, but in reality, there was no documentation of anything in this place. And the spirits that were supposedly there were all made up, and and yet they they appeared. So it, it's the same thing that kind of what you're talking about. The intent uh, creates, or the thought, energy thought uh, creates it. Mm-hmm. Right, and I mean, the, the, those are the the Philip experiments from the Toronto Society yeah, for thank, Psychical thank Research. Thank you, thank you, Tim. And and I've been trying to get some people uh, to to form a newer version of that. Uh, and I'm thinking, you know, if we can find just the right place to conduct the uh, the experiment, then we could probably have similar results. But the problem is, I think that ghosts could be everywhere, so it's hard to find a place that we can say is okay. This place definitely is not haunted. There is no spirit activity here because I think that it's everywhere, and that once you start paying attention to it, that's right. when it'll it'll come to the light. So, you know, if I could find the perfect quote unquote lab setting to conduct the experiment, I'll try it again. But uh, until then, it's really hard to find any place where I don't think there could be ghosts. Right. <laughs> Actually, I think we, I believe we have a, a uh, question from the chat room. Yeah, we have a, we have a couple of questions. Um, the first thing I, I did want to mention is Stephen Scott just mentioned John Keel's The Mothman Prophecies goes into tulpas and energy thought projection in quite a big way. Uh, so if anybody's wants to look further into that. Um, we have a question yeah, great, from... Great book. Great book. Yeah. We have a question from D. Haunt, who <clears throat> would like to ask, can an attachment happen later? I had bracelets, silver bracelets, that I used to wear all the time. There was no problem that I moved into my apartment, and there was a thick air there. I did a cleansing, and the bracelets were burnt-looking afterwards in my jewelry drawer. Right, and I think uh, an attachment can happen anytime. Uh, whether right. it, uh, there's, there's no real blueprint for a haunted object. Uh, in some cases, it could be something that happens right from the time that it's created. 
Uh, other times it could happen along the existence of the object. I mean, how many things uh, do we own in our lives that were never anybody else's? You know, even if it's something that right. we buy right from the factory, at some point somebody was yeah, putting like in the wife. effort of, of building that. So it, the attachment can happen at any point, and especially if, you know, if it's something that you cherish, it doesn't have to just be something that somebody who's passed on has cherished uh, to have it become attached to the spirit on it. It could be something that you love and mm-hmm. maybe somebody that you know passes away and they want to let you know that they're around and you have these favorite bracelets. They might do something to these bracelets so that you know that they're there. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. And on the other way, that these bracelets might remind them of something that they had and they might not be associated with you at all, but uh, have shown themselves because they're attracted to these bracelets. And it's the same thing that happens with uh, families moving in. Sometimes one child will have a lot of activity is because that child may look like the child of the, the ghost or the spirit that's haunting the place and, and they become attached to it. And then the other thing for T-Haunt to, to consider too is if you have a bracelet that's silver and then after a while it kind of looks burnt looking and a little, little, uh, blackened over, it means it probably wasn't real silver. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's nasty. <laughs> well, sometimes sterling, I mean, sterling silver always tarnishes, you know, and, and it may tarnish more in a certain environment than in another environment. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I know. I've, I, <laughs> I was thinking that in the back of my head, but if it was a sudden thing, you know, it would be kind of unusual. Right. And it even could Especially, have been the way they, they cleansed it. Maybe by saging or something, there was a chemical reaction. I really don't know what, you know, the circumstances of it or, or the material. So I guess uh, we'll just oh, have to. Uh, she says it was actually twisted as if burnt, as if it burnt. Oh, wow. uh, okay. Wow. I guess that's uh, pretty creepy. Yeah, and expensive, too, I would assume. Yeah, really. Bastards. <laughs> My favorite they, always go, they always go for the expensive stuff, don't they? they never, yeah, really. You know, every once in a while, they go after the butter dish, but for the most part, they're going after the jewelry. So what's the story? I need to, I need to hear the story of the butter dish. It's it's really just uh, you know your basic haunted object story. Uh, this woman Heather, who I who since she passed in the story to me, I've had a chance to meet her and talk with her about it a little bit more. But uh, she had a butter dish that her grandmother gave her, and she put it on the uh, island countertop in her kitchen. And she turned around to to put the bread in the toaster, and when she turned back around to get the butter dish, it was gone. And so she asked the kids, you know, if they had took it, and and, and none of them knew anything about it. And uh, again, it reappeared later on. When uh, she turned her back again, as she turned around, it was there. Oh. And then the same thing happened to her husband, who had been uh, pretty skeptical about it. And uh-huh. he actually accused her of taking it when she was all across across the other side of the house. <laughs> and, uh, and she's like, nope, just wait a minute. It'll come back if you just give it a minute. And he's like, yeah, right. And then he turned around, and it was back. <gasps> so uh, this was about four or five years ago that it first happened. And she said it, it still happens time time to time, and it's the only thing that it happens with in her house. So she thinks that it might be her grandmother, you know, kind of just letting her know, giving her some sort of assurance that she's there. Wow. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I remember when uh, Gavin came over from the UK, he picked up a doll here. And uh, while, it, while he was here, the, the doll somehow uh, could move by itself. He would put, he put it in his uh, room and uh, on the TV. And the next thing you know, when he came back, it'd be on the uh, bookcase. Or if he went to sleep, it would be on the bookcase. And he'd wake up, it'd be on his bed. Or, uh, so. That's creepy. <laughs> 
creepy so, dog is the worst. That's, that's the, the one thing that I knew we were going to get a lot of when, when we started putting together the notes for the book. I, was, I knew we were going to get a lot of doll stories. Mm-hmm. And for us to have – I mean, we wanted to have the uh, – of course, we wanted to have Robert the doll. But, uh, and we wanted to mention Annabelle the doll too. But mm-hmm. we wanted to have one that nobody had ever heard before that was just a really good story. And we got a great one uh, from a spooky South Coast listener named Jill. And it was about Claire the doll who had been given to her by an elderly friend when she was a young girl. And she said that she thought the doll looked like her, so that's why she gave it to her. But it turns out the the old woman who gave it to her found it in her house and never knew that it was in the house. It just appeared one day in the closet. She found it when she went into the closet for something. (laughs) And she tried to keep it for a while, and it started acting all, all strange, and it would move around, and she would find it places where she knew she didn't put it. And, of course, if you think you have a haunted doll, what's the first thing you do with it? You give it to a kid. <laughs> someone, you don't like. and someone you don't like, hopefully. <laughs> immediately when Jill got it, things started happening. Uh, all the, She was a collector of music boxes, and at night, all the music boxes in her room would go off on their oh. own for prolonged periods of time. Oh my God. And, uh, she, she had it in, she had, had it, uh, as much as she could take one night when they all went off and she looked over at the doll and the doll was sitting on a rocking chair and the rocking chair started, started, uh, started rocking back and forth and the doll turned its head and looked at her. Oh! And, and she oh. threw the doll in a closet and she, she never ever took it out again until she decided to send it to me for the book and allow me did. to have it in my home for a few weeks. And uh, when she sent it to me, you could tell it's the kind of porcelain doll where the, the head is sewn on to the body and it does not move. So the fact right. that it was able to turn its head at her is uh, it's pretty creepy stuff. Uh, so, so when it was in your house, Tim, did you have any experiences with it? Uh, you know, nothing major. I had a few incidents uh, with the doll. The first night that I had it, I do a, a sports show at the newspaper where I work, and I brought the doll in with me to do the sports show and just had it on the table. And our computer started doing some uh, – so our webcam started doing some weird stuff that it, it's never done before and, or has since. And then uh, we also had a few incidents in, in my office in the house where I kept her where the thermostat would, would move up on its own and I had to oh. keep turning it down. So, you know, just little strange things like that. But nothing that I would say was uh, definitely activity I could relate to the doll. Mm-hmm. And I, I tried I, – I went over it with uh, EMF sweeps uh, on a daily basis, nothing. I ran uh, tape recorders, nothing. So uh, you know, no real outright activity from it. But, yeah, you know, that was the first thing I was going to ask you. And, you know, if I had received a doll like that and uh, anything had to happen, I, of course, would immediately set up a camera on this damn thing and keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> And that's we we actually brought it into Spooky South Coast, and we kept a webcam trained on it the entire time. Uh-huh. Uh, it told we told the listeners if you happen to see anything, jump in the chat room and, and let us know what's going on because uh, you know we we won't get a chance to see it moving. So we want to know if you do, and and nothing really happened. Yeah, mm. interesting. Now, so it's haunting though that wasn't meant for us. I mean, that, right? That it could be that, that right? we needed that interaction of of a, of a girl or a woman. Right. Uh, T. Haunt is asking, what do you do with such items like a doll? Do you bury them to stop the activity, bless them? There's, there's different <laughs> Michelle approaches says to decapitate them. them. <laughs> Everybody has a, a different a different approach to, to how to handle haunted objects. You know, John Zaffis will take certain items and, and put them in his in his museum, and then other things, if he feels like it's just too dangerous of an item, he'll throw it in the river behind his house. And, and people do have different... 
not, not to litter, but I mean, just to have. The, I don't even want to go there. <laughs> yeah, to have the energy, uh, you know, the, the positive ion energy of the river help uh-huh, hold back uh-huh. whatever negative energy it might have. Yeah, but everybody yeah. has different theories. Uh, to me, I figure if if you have a haunted item and it's bothering you, the the best thing you can do put it up on eBay. There you right. go. Give it Make to John Dappas. Make some money on it. Give it to Tim Weisberg. <laughs> right. I, yeah, I got a shed. I'll keep them all out there. Right. I, I, I always tell if somebody has a haunted object, what they have to do is, uh, of course, take off all their clothes and run down the street with the, the object in their hands, screaming, it's here, it's here. And it works every time. <laughs> that would work. That, that sounds like a good plan. And if you want to send it to me, I'll do that. There you go. Really? All right. Uh, sure, wait a minute. We I'm do. Sure. We have. We have this on tape, right? Uh, yes, we do. Okay, that's good. That's good. Okay. Oh my goodness. Anyways, we have to take a break right now. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles: Next Generation with the blonde bombshell herself, Miss Ann Kerrigan, in New England's own Van Helsink, Ron Kolick, right here on Tojinet, Pararex, Ghost Channel, and beyond, and our special guest tonight is the host of Spooky South Coast and author and paranormal investigator, Tim Weisberg. We'll be right back. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. And welcome back to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ron and Ann and our special guest, Tim Weisberg. There you go, right here on uh, Tojanet Parrax, Ghost Channel, and beyond. And I do want to mention our new uh, uh, show, which is Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition, which can be heard every Monday between 11 and 12 on WCCM. And uh, there's a couple other places i got to figure out that in a little bit. But anyway, so before we get back to our guest, uh, Mr. Tim Weisberg of Spooky South Coast, uh, we have another episode of my favorite girl, uh, the lovely Viola Ventura, and my favorite episode of Beyond Bizarre. Can we hear that now? We call them lip sweaters. The American Mustache Institute is a not-for-profit organization that, according to its website, is dedicated to, quote, protecting the rights of and discrimination against mustache Americans by promoting the growth, care, and culture of the mustache, end quote. Based in St. Louis, the Mustache Institute sponsors events like the annual Stash Bash, honors mustache wearers with the Robert Goulet Memorial Mustache American of the Year Award and is housed under what is called the world's largest mustache, the Gateway Arch. 
A funny and freaky fact from Barlaventura's Beyond Bazaar. short anyway. <laughs> yeah, thank God. Thank God. You know what? I butcher everybody's name in the show, uh-huh. and yours is the only one I haven't. Uh, so you should be honored, I guess. I was you must be a coffee. fan of the flautist of the same name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those groovy albums in the 70s with Dan Fogelberg. Mm, yes. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we, we had the privilege of uh, doing an event with uh, Tim uh, and Spooky South Coast and um, Jeff Belanger, mm-hmm. right, last Saturday for a benefit of the Toys for Tots. And that was a blast. I, uh, you know, I hate to say it, but it was. <laughs> it was really fun. Why do you hate to say it? Because it was fun. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not allow- I'm not allowed to have fun. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, okay. All right. I'm, ca- I'm Catholic. I, you know, I have that guilt thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, it was, was a great time, and I was I was uh, thankful for everybody that came out and brought toys for Toys for Tots. And uh, the only bad part about it was we broadcast live from the event, and you know I was nursing the same beer for two hours. Ah, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. It's hot, it's well, I think it was probably good talk. not to get hammered on the air too. Yeah. That's probably a good thing. <laughs> well, you were just trying to get in the Christmas spirit. <laughs> right. Exactly. I was drinking the Christmas beer from Sam Adams. It's one, you know, it's one thing if if you're drinking and, and doing a podcast like like we've we've done a few times uh, over the years. But uh, when you're broadcasting live on the radio, you know the FCC tends to frown on that. So yeah, they fr- they frown on everything though, which is that's not true. A fun group. I, I I don't know what it is about 2012. Maybe it's this whole you know Mayan calendar thing or something. Mm-hmm. But uh, after I've been doing the show now for it'll be seven years next month, mm-hmm. and this year was the first time that I ever said a bad word on the air, and I've done it like three times Uh-oh. in the last, like, five months. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know what's happening. I, all of a sudden, I'm losing all sense of professionalism. <laughs> do, you have a, do you have a three-second delay there? Uh, we do, but I don't know how to work the button. <laughs> if I press the dump button, I'm just going to dump the whole show. It was fine when Matt Costa was there, and he was producing the program, but now I have to do double duty. So uh, uh. I'm more worried about just, you know, I, I turn on that mic and straight forward till the next break. There you go. There you That's go. right. Hey, say love V. It is what it is. Yes, it is. I, I'd like to say we can afford to take the uh, FCC fine, but, you know, we don't actually get paid for doing the show. So if, if, uh, if the FCC ever does come knocking, I'll be looking for donations through PayPal. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We'll be having another odd fest to benefit Spooky South Coast. Yeah, benef- right. the benefit exactly. Spooky South Coast uh, FSA fine or whatever the heck it is. <laughs> so, I mean, you mentioned an interesting point about drinking and doing the show. What are your thoughts on drinking and paranormal investigating? Uh, well, 
I don't think that you need to be in any kind of uh, – some people feel like you need to be in an altered state uh, in order to, to make communication with the other side. I know a lot of people who, who partake in you know, some sort of drug in order to, to open their minds up a little bit more, whether it be you know, marijuana smoking or they ingest mushrooms or something. You know, these, these are, are the ways that they try to make a connection with the other side. But really? I would worry that if your brain isn't at its sharpest and isn't at its most focused – that mm-hmm. you will be perceiving you know, the wrong things as being activity. Right. That's the that's the dumbest thing. No, no offense to people who do it. Well, maybe, but I, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I mean, why would you go in impaired? I mean, how do you know what you're seeing? Yeah, how do you know what you're seeing is real or all, feeling all I know or is, hearing? Uh, I've only tried tried uh, <clears throat> adult. Uh, cigarettes there, <laughs> one, like one or two times in my life, and, and and the first time I ever did it, it was the night of the uh, the Hail Bob Comet, and the whole thing with uh, with Marv Applewhite and his cult, you know, committing. How did you like castrate yourself and then shave your head? <laughs> I did not go that far, but I was I was outside talking to the comet, so that's when I realized that maybe that's not the best uh, state of mind to be in. No, 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 no. <laughs> did the comet I mean, answer you? It, Everybody has. I mean, some people use, uh, you know, use psychedelics as part of their religious worship. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if that gets them closer to God, how do we know it wouldn't get them closer to a ghost? Uh, yeah, but I mean, and yeah. then you have the whole professional angle on this whole thing and ethics of it. Well, uh, yeah, uh, I'm not talking about when you're out there investigating on on behalf of a of a homeowner or somebody who owns a location. I'm not talking about doing that. I'm talking about just for your own investigative purposes. I would if anybody ever tried to pull any of that on an investigation in which, you know, somebody was dependent on our results, mm-hmm. uh, they should be they should be tarred and feathered for for doing that. I mean, I don't God, yeah. I don't like when people smoke cigarettes on an investigation because mm-hmm. you're you're contaminating. Uh, yeah, the, exactly. The by doing so, and, and, and contaminating Tim, the field. Yeah, and you know, Tim, I you do events and and I do events, and in fact, we we have an event together coming up on April fifth at the Hooten Mansion. In North Adams, uh, if you go to Legend Trippin, is it legendtrippin.com, dot com? Is it uh, legendtrips.com. dot com? Legend Trips, dot com. Uh, you can purchase tickets, which make a great Christmas gift for Hanukkah or uh, Kwanzaa or uh, into the world or <laughs> into the world's uh, who knows? <laughs> yeah, whatever. Hanukkah. How come it's not Christmas? Uh, Keep the Han and Hanukkah. Uh, yeah. Hans Solo. <laughs> anyway, uh, I forgot where I was going. Oh, yeah. So, anyways, right. So, we are doing that event, and it's it's going to be a lot of fun, but we'll, we'll talk about more of that later on. But uh, when you do events, I, I know, like, for instance, uh, for 10 years, I've been part of the Festival of Dead in uh, Salem. Every October, we do spectral evidence, and, you know, we get 100, 110 people there, and and inevitably you get uh, someone who's totally wasted and uh, i don't know about you but i, yeah. I find that uh very uh disturbing i guess and yeah it, yeah what, what, what do you think tim i mean is is that just part of the turf that when we do events well i i think with with salem and that whole festival of the dead that's a different uh animal altogether Mm-hmm. Because with, with that, it's it, some people are going there looking for the big party aspect of it. 
And with the Legend Trips events, you know, it's it's more of a focus. If you're buying a ticket, you know, you're serious about coming and investigating the paranormal. And that we try to price the tickets. Uh, most of our tickets are ninety nine dollars. Uh, some of our events are a little bit more. The Houghton Mansion is going to be a little bit more because it's a, a multiple day thing. But you know, we try to price the tickets at a level where it's affordable for those that are interested, but it's not so cheap that we're going to get the knuckleheads coming in too. It, it, you'd have to be a real jerk to spend $99 to a ticket to go act like an ass. So <laughs> right. that's, I mean, that's kind of built in too, but we also have, uh, in our, uh, on our website, you know, it says like no alcoholic beverages, no, you know, no drug use. If you're impaired in any way, we can refuse admittance to the event. And we would because, uh, there's, there's no reason for you to a experience that because we can't guarantee that you're going to have the best time possible if we don't, you know, know that you're going to be of sound mind during it. And also you could have a negative impact on the enjoyment that other people have of an event. So. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. Cause we had, I mean, you know, there were people that came in there that I was just like, Oh my God, really? They brought I mean, a bottle actually. Yeah. Why, you know, you're paying a lot of money to come to this event. Why would you be drunk? Throughout right. It? But there's yeah. other things happening around that too, though, with those events, right? There's, right. it's kind of like a, an all night party type of thing. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, they're all day, been there all day. They're, you know, yeah. they're part of the, the Salem experience, I guess you would say. And this is just something that they've plopped their money down to go to. And, uh, it's unfortunate. I mean, most people are, are really good and, uh, you know, uh, they, they like it and they, they take it seriously. I, probably the, the greatest compliment I ever had in all my years of doing this is that I had a couple that, postpone their wedding to go to this event. Mm. I thought wow. that was simply oh yeah. <laughs> I, thought, <laughs> I thought that was simply amazing. So anyways if anybody something has a uh, it was something tells me it was the groom's idea. Uh, actually it was the bride. Do you think <laughs> the groom could get away with that? Seriously Tim, you think a groom could get away with that seriously? That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the time you've actually earned the title of groom or, or, or you know, fiance or whatever, by that point, you can't make any more decisions on your own. Exactly. Anyway. <laughs> so, anyways, everybody has a question for uh, Ann or Tim Weisberg from Spooky South Coast or myself. They can uh, call in at uh, 877-687-8005. Oh, wait a minute. I think that's it. <laughs> wait a minute. I might be on the wrong channel now. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh, anyways, or you can join us live in the Tojanet chat room or the Parax chat room, or they can go to our page, which is what, Ann? On Facebook, we are Ghost Chronicles-Next Generation. Hop on there, and I monitor that all night. If anybody is chat room shy, um, mm-hmm. you can ask a question there. All right, you can pretend that you like us if you want. Everybody likes us, Ron. Yeah. Be still. Right, you can also like uh, Spooky South Coast. You have a Facebook page as well, right, uh, Tim? We do, yep. A Facebook page, we're on Twitter. Uh, basically, uh, any way that we can infiltrate your life, we've made sure we've covered it. We're on YouTube. <laughs> there you <I> go. <laughs> there, there you go. So of, of all the, uh, the the objects in your, in your book, which one, I, I say, freaked you out the most? Hmm. Uh, some of the uh, some of the some of the more creepy stories that we got uh, actually came from Chris personally. Uh, those those well, are the ones that surprised me. Yeah, the, the ones that he shared about uh, that there was a time when he was getting all the files from Alan Alves, the detective who worked on the Freetown cult killings, 
from the Freetown State Forest, and, and he actually had all of those documents. And there was a poster with the Lord's Prayer written uh, in blood. I believe it was written backwards in blood uh, on uh. the poster. And and that kept showing up around Chris's house no matter what he tried to do uh, oh. to keep it from happening. And uh, there was another case where he was uh, in college and he was using a Ouija board and an uh, entity that called itself federal government kept coming through and, and causing all kinds of havoc. You know, those are the kind of stories that send a shiver down my spine because as much as I trust the people who share their stories with us and, and we tried to do as best we could to, to vet those stories out before we included them in the book, I trust Chris implicitly. And so for him to share these stories and to have these have these things happen, uh, that really creeps me out because I know that they must be true. Oh, that's creepy. That is creepy. Oh, my God. Mm. Now, did you, Tim, when you were putting this all together, did you, you physically went and saw the items? Oh, I couldn't go to see all of them. People sent them to you or? No, for the most part, because uh, we have stories from people uh, across the world, actually. But uh, for the most part, we we couldn't really uh, travel, and it wasn't. Uh, I don't want to say people couldn't have sent us the items, but mm-hmm. it just some people didn't want to part with what they had, and for some people, you know, the magic that is in those items might not be there for us. Right. And you kind of tell us some of these stories that, you know, this, this is meant for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the same time too, we didn't really feel it was important for us to, to have them uh, to be able to chronicle the stories. Mm-hmm. And so we just asked people if you could send us a picture of the item so that mm-hmm. we could have an idea of what it is that we're writing about when we describe it. And a, a few people did offer to send them to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but most of the time it was, you know, if I send it to you, I, I, I want it back. So we right. said, well, it's probably better off if you just hold on to it then. Right. Right. Yeah, we. I can see that. One of the the coolest stories that uh, I had in my book, Ghost a Day, uh, on a haunted object, was a a haunted painting that was found at the back of, uh, uh, I forget where the heck it was, but the guy, they took it home, and then it was little kids in the the paper, and they would come out, I mean, in the painting, and they would come out of it at night. And uh, the husband actually set up a camera and and caught one. Or it's got a, a cool story. Uh, did you hear of that one, uh, Tim? No. No. Oh, uh, yeah. It was it was really cool. It was uh, the the wife had found the painting. I believe it was in the back of a, like in a dumpster or something. And she brought it home. She put it in the kids' room. I don't know why. And and uh, it had a little children in in the painting. Oh, I think right. that's why she she put it. In. But the, oh, uh, saw... the hands the hands resist them. Is that the painting yep. you're talking about? That's the one. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have that story in the book. Yeah. Right. That's the one with uh, where the uh, the artist actually came out and explained that it was uh, a painting of something that happened in one of his dreams. Ah. And, but my have you seen have you seen the uh, the the gun that's supposedly in the doll's hand? Yeah. That's pretty cool, huh? Yeah. That's that's and he and the the guy who painted is like, but it's not a gun. But everybody sees it and sees that it's a gun. So it's it's one of those stories where, uh, you know, like, uh, you ever see the movie The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance? God, uh, a million years ago. Probably in my facet. There's, there's uh, a great line, great line in that movie that uh, the, the newspaperman says that when the legend becomes fact, print the legend. And that's mm. what's happened with a lot of these haunted objects. Uh, you know, we talk right. about James Dean's car, uh, the mummy that was supposedly on the Titanic. You know, these things, the hauntings around them may not be true, but it doesn't matter because the legend has made them true. Mm-hmm. Right. Now the urban right. legend, right? Well, 
I don't know. You know, we had a, a really, I had a really interesting experience, and, and Chris Balzano knows about this uh, place called Dudley Road in Billerica. And, and it had this whole tale about it, about uh, a sunken house, the monastery, the insane asylum in the woods, the guy who escapes from the insane asylum and, and kills the nuns or the nuns that got pregnant by the priest and hung themselves in the tree. All these stories and the, and the car that goes down that road. But they were all based on ur- urban legend. If you re- dug into the truth, which I know Chris did, there was no truth to any of them. And yet, uh, we did a podcast. In fact, if you go on the Ghost Chronicles, it's one of the early ones that Maureen and I did. We went out in the car, and I brought Maureen. She knew nothing about this. And uh, she started picking up on all of the legend. So the energy that whatever this was, was created, was either being used by other spirits that were there, and you know, because they can uh, put themselves off as uh, they can. What's the word? Uh, they can be whoever you want them to be, or it was just that the the energy from all these people going here to see these things and and knowing the stories created it. So it's it's weird stuff. Right, and and really, like it's one of those. The paranormal is one of those few fields where mythology and fact and folk, folklore and all these things all have to come uh, together in, in a perfect storm for for things to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We we have a question uh, from D. Haunt in the chat room uh, who would like to know, is there a particular area where most of the haunted items come from? Uh, it does oh. not seem to be. Uh, there, there doesn't seem to be any geographical similarities between uh, these items. Uh, and, and of course, we have a lot of stories from the New England area because Chris and I are both from New England. Right. Uh, you know, Chris and now, but you know, a lot of our stories came from people in this area. Mm-hmm. But it, it seems to be uh, an international phenomenon. It seems to be something that happens in every culture. Every culture has stories of, of haunted objects. I mean, if you just look at some of the the most popular ghost stories through the years, you know, there, there seems to be an item that is usually the focus of them. And for me, I, I, I tried to look in the similarities of the stories more than the geographic similarities. And uh, even then, you know, it was hard to really pinpoint any kind of common threads uh, from one story to the next. Mm-hmm. Well, I would imagine that they would be everywhere, but you never know. Right. I mean, uh, of course, you know, in this area, being the Bridgewater Triangle area uh, where I live, you know, that's it's it's entirely possible that there may be a higher amount of haunted objects in this area because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it could also be too that you know there's more of a concentration of haunted objects these days because they've become more in the forefront of people's minds with shows like Haunted Collector. Right. <laughs> you know, what's interesting is is I've I've ended up by no design be, becoming a Bible rescuer, and I have a collection of Bibles that have I've rescued from different circumstances. For instance, uh, Christian Day from uh, uh, Salem, uh, he received in the in the mail a tarot a, bo- a box of tarot cards that were uh, supposedly cursed and. In the package was a Bible that was sent with it, and of course, Christian being a, a witch, had no uh, need for this Bible, so somehow it, I ended up getting the Bible, and I have other Bibles from, uh, like, uh, a, uh, a uh, 
what was it, uh, funeral power that, that was supposed to be put in the coffin and uh, it didn't didn't end up that way and, and another one that was left in a, a haunted house and, and so I've ended up with this collection of uh, strange Bibles, let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually uh, one of the most popular ways to get a haunted object is uh, by going to yard sales and flea markets and I uh, I actually – I'm a pretty big yard sailor. I, I find good deals. My wife sells them on eBay. And one of the first things that we found that got us hooked on the fact that we could make money off of this was uh, we found a book that we had no idea what it was. And she started typing some of the phrases into Google, and it came up as saying that it was a, a Bible, and it was in Finnish. So oh, we ended up oh, making cool. Yeah, we turned it around for like an $80 profit, and that kind of got us hooked. So who knows how many ghosts have come through my house in the years, but uh, you know we ship them right back out, which is funny because if we know that they're haunted, we could obviously sell them for three times as much as they're actually worth. But that's course. what people do with haunted objects on eBay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do they actually like, have a, a category for that now? Uh, well, here's the thing with that. When we were working on the book, I tried contacting eBay numerous times to uh, have somebody in an official capacity comment on mm-hmm. the selling of haunted and cursed objects on eBay, and, and I got no response whatsoever. Uh, so, I mean, I can understand that they're a big company and they probably don't have time for, for dealing with stuff like that. But uh, while right after we sent the book in and I got a contact from a woman who sells a lot of haunted items on there, and, and she said that more and more eBay had been questioning some of her sales. Okay. And she thought that it was really strange that all of a sudden, you know, they started asking about the validity of these claims she was making. And then sure enough, uh, just a few months ago, eBay made that announcement that you could no longer sell, you know, potions and spells and, and cursed items and things like that on eBay anymore. So, well, there's, right. there's a guy who supposedly made uh, an eBay just for the paranormal, and we've been trying to get him on Spooky South Coast for the last couple of months, but it just it hasn't worked out schedule-wise yet. Mm-hmm. Huh. That's, That's cool. Interesting. <laughs> I mean, we, the, probably the, one of the most famous things was uh, Grandpa's cane that was sold on eBay. Well, what's well, it? What was it? Grandpa's what? Grandpa's cane. Well, actually, it was supposedly Grandpa's ghost. In fact, this is in my book, Ghost Today. Uh, supposedly, uh, Grandpa was uh, a ghost, and he was haunting a child. So they decided to get rid of him by selling his cane on eBay. And someone bought the cane, and supposedly Grandpa went with him because you couldn't sell nothing on eBay. So they sold the cane, which went for a ridiculous amount of money. <laughs> As much as the other stuff that this whole in there did as well. Well, here's here's the thing about those those stories is we hear about these you know inf- giant inflated prices that these haunted objects go for on eBay, but uh, nobody really ever follows up to see if those prices are actually paid. It's one thing to win an auction for a million dollars; it's another thing to actually make the payment after that. Right. So, well, it'd be interesting to see, and it'd be interesting to see what happens as a result of some of these items. I mean, uh, we we can follow along with a story like the Dybbuk box because, you know, we, we find out about, you know, what happened to it after it was purchased on eBay. But a lot of these items that are supposedly cursed uh, or haunted, you know, we, we never hear about them again after they go up on that page. And the uh, one of the strange things that we noticed while we were working on the book was the types of objects that were being haunted over the course of the time that we were writing it. it the, the, whole, the project took about two years total uh, because there was a lot of um, maneuvering around with the publisher and some, some changes to the format and everything. And while we're working on it, we'd go on eBay and you'd see at one point, you know, the haunted jewelry is the big thing. And then another time it's haunted toys. And, and you can almost get the pulse of the paranormal 
field by what was haunting it. You know, in one case, it was uh, haunted by the spirit of, you know, a, a, a dead relative. Then all of a sudden, they were possessed by demons. Now they're at the point where if you go on and you look up haunted items on eBay, if they still have them, if they still allow any of them, it, it's going to all be gin that are that are uh, attached to these. Oh. Items. So it's almost wow. like whatever the popular topic is, that that's what's uh, attached to these haunted items. Ah. What's really interesting is we have a listener of uh, the show, Cat from uh, Canada, who had a uh, mason's apron that was extremely haunted. In fact, uh, uh, Rosemary Guiley uh, helped her out and get rid of that particular object. And uh, uh, it's funny, it can be just about anything. Anyways, I heard the, uh, pizza, the bell, the doorbell, that means the pizza man's here and it's time to wrap it up. So Pizza from the uh, dead. Yeah, pizza from the dead. So, Tim, we want to thank you so much for uh, coming here on the show and talking a little, little bit about your book. Uh, once again, why don't you give out your website and your two books you have? Yep, it's uh, SpookySouthCoast.com is my website. And, uh, it's also on Facebook, Spooky South Coast there. Uh, and my books are Ghosts of the South Coast and Haunted Object Stories of Ghosts on Your Shelf. And don't forget, join uh, Spooky South Coast and, and Ron and, and probably Ann, too, I'd assume, at, uh, at the Houghton Mansion uh, for... Haunting the Houghton, legendtrips.com is a website to get your tickets for that. Awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward, looking forward to that. should be a lot of fun. Absolutely. So anyways, uh, Tim, thank you so much. And uh, when thank you, you tune in to Spooky South Coast on Saturdays, uh, where can they tune in to that? Uh, if you're not in the uh, parking lot of WBSM, you probably won't get it over the radio. <laughs> so you, you can just go to SpookySouthCoast.com. You can listen to it there. And we also have Spooky TV on our site where we have in-studio cameras uh, while the show is going on. Because for is some reason, people want to look at us. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, is that a good idea? I don't think I'd want that. Not really, because we can no longer you know, make fun of the guests uh, ah. you know, behind their back anymore. So. Oh, that kind of stinks. Not that yeah, we would that's... ever do that anyway. No, yeah, I can't know, imagine. right. No. Awesome. Thank you, Tim. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Have a good... Have a Merry Christmas. Thank you. So it's time to wrap it up, Ann. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Good show. So you've been a big girl. I guess we're not going to see anybody until next year, so... Oh, that's right. Yeah. Time to say goodbye to all, I guess. Yes. We hope you all have great holidays, and uh, we're going to have a little rest for a couple of weeks. Yep, have a Merry Christmas and uh, drink lots of eggnog. I hope you get lots of presents. And, uh, you know, you can always send them to me if you don't like them. (laughs) (laughs) So until uh, next year, we're going to say good night and God bless everyone. Good night. Thanks for listening, everybody. Merry Christmas. Bye. Goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.